coming up next on the Varsity Journal Podcast. But hey, if I'm getting rowdy about something and if something's grinding my gears and, and if I'm getting heated, then there will be some F-bombs. You know, damn, should I piss my pants right now? Can I ask the bus driver to pull over? Does anybody have a bottle? But you know what, man? If you can't drink and you have to have these variables in place that prevent me from drinking, yeah, then I'm going to get a little bit pissed off. So joining me now on the show is Phil Thompson from the Chicago Tribune. Why does every kid floss dance? I hate it. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Varsity Journal Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Poirier. And we have hit a new milestone. This is episode number 10. We did it, baby. Uh, Did anybody catch that World Series game last night? Fuck, our Boston fans. Not the worst. God. Looking at Twitter... And just reading social media, it is unbearable to watch Boston anything win over and over. I don't even hate the Red Sox, but their fans are horrible. Um, anyway, this is episode number 10, guys. Uh, you know, and hey, this was definitely a little strange starting this thing off. Uh... But we've made it. We're already 10, 10 episodes in, and, you know, the more you do, it actually starts to get a little bit easier. And, you know, to be honest, it's still something that is kind of strange to me because I'm ultimately just talking into a mic, uh, speaking to nobody, but, you know, it's literally just talking, and it's talking about sports, and... You know, the audience that I get varies each week, so I don't even, I don't really ever know who I'm actually reaching out to, but the more of these things I do, it just keeps getting easier and easier. Um, But you know what, man? I was, I was thinking, and when I have guests on the show, it's, 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 it's actually more easier for me to do this thing when I have somebody chime in every once in a while and, uh, you know, that's why I've been thinking that maybe I will have a co-host on here one day because I do like the interactions with the guests that I get on this show. And, um, you know, I actually find it more beneficial to have more people chiming in on the conversation. Um, you know, I know for certain people in their, the podcasts that they do, uh, they prefer to do them solo. And for them, it really works well. I listen to a lot of podcasts where it's just someone, it's just them speaking but you know what I've, I've been thinking man this being a sports podcast it it's just always when you have that two-person dynamic uh I just find that you know the two people either disputing or just breaking something down kind of works better with a sports podcast you know sports commentary on anything it just works better when there's two people you know the more opinions you know, the more intellectual the uh, the opinion is going to be on something. Um, so if you are one of those people that just comes on here and you listen to the first 10 minutes of this podcast and you want to hear what it's all about, 
and, and, and you skip the podcast once once uh, once the guest comes on, you're missing out uh, because that's that's the juicy part of the show. And you know what? If if you're gonna listen to anything, skip this part, skip the introduction, and get to that part where it's uh, where I have the guest on because I think that that's the best part uh, of this podcast. And you know, this being the tenth episode, I've just found that the guest is the best part about doing the show, having guests on. And I've been very fortunate to have the guests uh, that that have been on this show. Uh, come on. So you know, I I, I wanted this. To, you know, to just be a thing that I could work on while I'm unemployed in, in the journalism industry. But, you know, because it's, it's like, you know, I'm still working on something while I work towards something, you know what I mean? Uh, and the podcast just helps me stay fresh and on top of this craft. But you know what, the more that I think about it, I, I do think that this podcast could be better with another host. You know, I, I know that it's obviously me being out here in Ottawa, it is tough to do that. For me to potentially have a host, but um, you know, there's just some more that I I do want to do with this thing, and yeah, I'm I'm not gonna say too much more about it, but uh, you know, I do have some ideas of doing some live stuff, and I think that I could get some more engagement and probably get a bigger bigger audience uh, from doing that. But you know, I'm not gonna say too much more about it. Um, you know. But anyway, while we are on this topic of things that I've, you know, kind of learned throughout the early stages of this podcast, you know, if you guys know me <clears throat> personally, you know that I, I, I speak like a sailor. I, you know, I got, I got a dirty mouth. I'm a dirty boy, but, and, and it's always just, it's always been that way. And I, I know that the intent for this whole thing, this whole podcast thing that I'm doing is for me to reach potential employers. But at the same time, it's a podcast. So I would assume that this is a place where I should be myself. Uh, and I think more people resonate with that. And they would rather me talk the same way that I would talk about sports. You know, if if you're just sitting on the couch with me, I can get professional and I can. And I do get professional when it comes down to it, when I, when I need to be professional. But at the same time, this is a podcast and. I've always kind of wanted you, the audience to treat this as if you're just having a beer with me and we're just talking about the game and we got the game on mute or the game's on a commercial break or something like that. So, you know, if, if there is a potential employer listening to this, hey, I'm I'm not ever going to drop an F-bomb on the air. You know, this, this is just, this is a different format and the current target audience is not necessarily PG. Um, and I say all of this, the reason I'm getting into all of this is because earlier this week, I got a phone call. Sorry, this was last week, I think to the day I got a phone call from my dad. And there's a couple things from this story that, that is funny. Uh, so my dad calls me and it's in the middle of the week, which is already strange because my dad doesn't normally call in the middle of the week on a Wednesday, you know, in the evening at like five, which is when he, he's getting off work. But I, I sent out a podcast that day that he called me, and uh, I answer the phone. He says, hey, Rye Guy. My dad calls me Rye Guy. He says, what the hell are you talking about? You might get fired from your job. Okay, so let's backtrack a bit. Last week on the podcast, I bashed my work a little bit, and I said that they don't know what they're doing when it comes to the TVs at work, and they don't. 
<laughs> there was a lot worse that I could have said about them, but I kind of paused and I was like, well, you know, I'm bashing my work a little too much here. Let's let's slow down. But you know what? That, that was as honest as I could get. They don't know what they're doing when it comes to the TVs. They never know what games to put on the TVs. And yeah, so I went on a little tangent about that in the podcast. And uh, that covered quite a bit of last week's episode. So I posted the podcast on social media and I had captioned it, might get fired for this, but I don't care. And hey, for anyone that doesn't know, that's called clickbait. And I don't get a hundred of listeners on here every week. So I got to do what I can to get people to listen to the damn show. And because that story doesn't happen until the end of the podcast, my thinking is that it might get one or two people to actually listen to this podcast and find out what I'm talking about and why I'm talking about the fact that I might get fired for this. Hey, Dad, you fell for the clickbait, buddy. And to anyone that's offended that I am clickbaiting you and I'm now admitting to it, then hey, just share this damn thing so I can get more listeners. Because you not sharing it means that you're part of the problem. Uh, and anyway, after I spent the next couple of minutes explaining that to my dad, he says, oh, okay, anyways, just wanted to call and also say you've, your podcast's been doing great, whatever, but, uh, you know, cut out the swearing. So, so that's why I got into the whole swearing thing and, uh, explained, you know, why I do drop the odd F-bomb because I do want you to treat this thing like it's just me and you sitting on the couch and the hockey game or the baseball game is is in a commercial, and we're just shooting the shit, but, uh, you know, he does, my dad does have a point, uh, so I will try and cut down the swearing a little bit, but hey, if I'm getting rowdy about something, and if something's grinding my gears, and and if I'm getting heated, then there will be some F-bombs, and there will be some swear words, and you will hear me talk like a sailor a little bit, you know what, that's okay, because there aren't kids listening to this damn thing, um, anyway, uh, I went to my first Senators game last night. Uh, actually, this marks the first Ottawa-themed event I've actually gone to since I've been here. Uh, never went to a Red Box game, never went to a Ottawa Fury game, which is their, like, Division Two MLS team that people treat like is a fucking professional soccer team, which it isn't. Uh... And I damn sure haven't been to a 67s game since I've been here. Um, but I moved here in May, and, you know, the Senators is the only team that I would even consider watching anyways. Uh, and you know what, man? When I came here, <clears throat> the all the buzz was, was about how bad the Senators were and, you know, how poor this franchise is. And you know what, man? They're not that bad. And like any city, you know, there will be like a buzz about something. And everybody kind of wants to get on board with that just because it's like it's their thing. Like talking about how bad the senators are. The people that say that aren't actual sports fans or they're not actual senators fans. Because if you look at their team top to bottom... Their team is actually pretty damn good. They have a pretty good young... Like, in terms of... 
the the talent they have, the upcoming talent that they have on their team. You know, Thomas Shabbat, he's second in defensive scoring. Uh, they have Brady Kachuk on their team. You know, they still have Bobby Ryan and Matt Deshane on their team. Matt Deshane is... Fuck, I'm getting a lot of heat from saying this, but he might be a top 15 NHL player in the league. And the talent is there. And everyone that has just been saying that the Senators suck. Yeah, our Sens, they really suck. You, you guys don't watch hockey. You know, I, I know that's something that people love to say, but the Senators aren't actually that bad. Um, but anyway, uh, the Senators as a team aren't bad, but I got a, I got a huge bone to pick with the Senators and their franchise. Why in the fuck is there an arena out in the middle of goddamn nowhere? <laughs> you know? We live... I live downtown, okay? And we had to take the frickin' bus to get out there. Hey, man, one of the perks about living downtown and paying town, downtown rates for things is the fact that you have access to all of the cool things that other people in this city don't have access to. You know? Where's the cool place to go to, one might ask, when they arrive to a city? Down fucking town. That's where. But the Canadian Tire Center, stupid-ass name, first of all, for an arena, is a 30-minute bus ride from the damn city of Ottawa. Okay? We went to this game with a big group of people, and we are all drinking at a bar, and all of a sudden, the bill comes. And I'm thinking, you know, what the hell is going on? Just one beer before a fucking hockey game? And everyone's saying, yeah. This, this is what they were saying. I don't want to have to pee on the bus. Pee on the bus? You know, first of all, who even begins to, like, that's the first thing that comes to mind? I would never think about that as an option. But in reality, for them, this is a been there, done that situation. They know this routine. And they've probably experienced, you know, that time at least once where they've slammed a couple pitchers, got on that bus, that same 30-minute bus that takes you to the fucking Canadian Tire Center. And they would have felt that wrath of having to hold in a violent piss while standing up on a jerky bus heading 100 miles down the highway for 35 minutes. And you know what? As stupid as I thought it was originally when I heard them say, yeah, I might have to pee, so can't drink anymore. They actually have a point. Because holding in a pee on the bus is one of the most excruciating things you could ever have happen to you. I remember when I was in college and there was this event downtown. See? Down fucking town. <laughs> My college wasn't downtown, 
So where did we go? We went downtown because that's where shit happens. Anyway, we're on the bus heading downtown. And I had had my fair share of drinks. And once that piss hit me, it felt like my entire insides were going to explode. And it hurt. And I felt sorry for myself. And I thought, in that situation of every possible scenario, to get myself out of that pain. Because I knew, right then, that this bus wasn't going to stop for another 20 minutes. And that time starts ticking slower and slower. And to some, 15-20 minutes might seem like a short amount of time to spend on a bus. But when you're holding in a piss from hell, that pain feels eternal. And you think, you know, damn, should I piss my pants right now? Can I ask the bus driver to pull over? Does anybody have a bottle? You go over all of these thoughts in your head. And the only thing that you can say to yourself is, oh God, oh God, when will this just fucking end? And literally the moment that that bus does stop, you are so past giving a fuck. You will forget all your manners. You'll march your ass to the front of the bus. You'll say, hey, you fuck. That's what you say to the bus driver. Open that fucking door or I will piss all over this goddamn bus. I've gotten this far and I'm about to burst. That actually doesn't happen. That That's th that's the conversation that you're envisioning happening the entire time you're holding into this. But the reality is that you do somehow make it. You somehow make it on that bus. You hold in that piss somehow. And the minute that the bus stops, you fly out those doors and you wind up every time. You will wind up in the most obscure out in the open spot with your cock in your hands while piss is literally flying out the seams. It's disgusting in the way I described it. But uh, this has happened to me several times. And I'm sure there's at least one listener that knows exactly what I'm talking about. And most times, I swear, I can't believe I've never actually been arrested because it will always... It always seems to happen in some bush right in front of the bus. You know, most people are still getting off the bus, but the bush is the first thing that you see. And there will be some cops positioned right out, right outside, trying not, trying not to look at you. But you know that they're thinking like, fuck this kid, man. This damn kid, are you kidding me? But in the end, they got to have some leniency because they've they've been there before too. And they, they see that bus. They know what it means. It's piss time. Anyways, my point is, all of this makes it that much less enjoyable of a game experience because you have all of these variables in front of you that you have to consider. And that's largely to do with the fact that the center's home arena is in freaking Canada. Put that arena downtown. Um, you know, as much as I was talking about how, uh, <laughs> how good the Senators were, they did lose last night. Uh, Bruins won 4-1. Uh, David Pasternak scored a hat-trick. Man, that guy's so freaking good. I, uh, I was telling my girlfriend right before the game, I was, I was telling her, 
Look at this number 88 kid. He's, he's going to light it up tonight. Got, got three goals and an assist. Um, and all in all, it actually was a uh, the game and everything itself. It was a very fun experience. Paid thirteen fifty for a beer, but you know what? That's expected. Um, but yeah, it was fun, man. And even though I just ranted really hard on how dumb it is that it, you know, the arena is so far away from the city, it just—it's really set up well in terms of like actually getting out of the arena. You know, the buses are lined up literally right beside the Canadian Tire Center, and I think it took about five minutes from the time that I left my seat to actually leave the arena, to walking to the bus, to the bus starting up and leaving as well. You know, I remember, uh, I think it's the, I think it was the Joe, the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit. And leaving that arena was such a goddamn shit show. And I think it took about an hour and a half from the time we left our seat to, to get to the parking lot. And... You know, that, that arena, I don't even know if it's still, I know the Senators don't play there anymore, but that arena was so poorly, it so poorly functioned as getting up and leaving the place safely, you know, because you just have these swarms of people packed trying to squeeze through the doors and there's crazy lineups cars leaving um so you know what how ottawa actually has it set up um i'll give it i'll give it to them uh because even even leaving like toronto and leaving a jays game or a leafs game and commuting with the downtown traffic um it takes about 45 minutes and that's probably how long it took to get from Canada to Ottawa to home. Um, but you know what, man? If you can't drink and you, you have to have these variables in place that prevent me from drinking, yeah, then I'm going to get a little bit pissed off. Um, anyways, uh, guys, you know, I talk a lot about fantasy football on this podcast. Uh, and you know what? In fantasy football, things are actually starting to look up. Um, after I lost my first five games, I'm now two and five, baby. One, two straight. So as we gear up for week eight in the, in, in football, in the NFL, uh, Phil Thompson from the Chicago Tribune, he joined the show to talk some fantasy football. And you know what, guys? We we pretty much got into everything. Uh, who should you add this week? Who you can drop? What sleepers are out there on most waiver wires? Um, so, you know, there's no introduction for this one. Uh, here is my interview with... Phil Thompson from the Chicago Tribune. Joining me now on the show is Phil Thompson from the Chicago Tribune. You know, Phil, we're going to talk some fantasy football today, but you are based in Chicago. And, you know, the Bears have been buzzing in the NFL this year. And so we got to talk about that. Uh, They've had an incredible season thus far, if you compare it to the expectations that were held at the beginning of the season. Phil, what has surprised you the most this season with the Bears? Anything went wrong, the game was essentially lost. 
Mm-hmm. Even sometimes when things went right, they, <laughs> somehow something would go wrong and the Bears would come out on the booth again. But I, I think their defense is, is strong enough. There's enough consistency elsewhere on the field that they can overcome some of these hiccups. Phil, on the final play of that game, Mitchell Trubisky, he airs it out, Kevin White catches it, and he gets stuffed on the one-yard line. You know, right now, is Chicago going, hey, you know, Trubisky, he tried his damnness, he made, a hell, made it a hell of a game, and we're still going to ride with this guy? Or is Chicago going, no, he just he throws two picks, doesn't do enough to win us this game. Do you think there are mostly positives from from that game against the Pats, or is it mostly disappointment right now for this three and three Bears team in Chicago? Oh, of course there's some disappointment, but I, I think there's an understanding. There's there's going to be growing pains at this stage of his career. Not only is Trubisky uh, really in his second year, but even in college he didn't have that that many starts. Uh, you mm. didn't have a lot of experience behind center. So you're kind of dealing with that factor as well. But I think what they look for is to see flashes of what could be. And certainly when he's accurate, when he's not dancing around in the pocket or really patting the ball and he feels comfortable, he can hit his targets. He's got some attributes. Certainly the running aspect of his game may be even better than some people thought. So that could serve him well as well and it's going to take some time I think also to not only gel with the, the new crop of receivers that he has but he's also learning a new offense and as Jay Cutler infamously said it, it takes three years uh, to learn a new offense mm. uh, hopefully it doesn't take him that long mm. meaning Trubisky but it, it's going to be a work in progress alright let's uh Let's get into some fantasy football because this was the original intent of this conversation. So, you know, oftentimes at the beginning of the week, I will, you know, I'll go on Google and I'll just search starts and sits for this week in the NFL. And I don't know if you know this, but when you search on Google, your column is actually one of the first things that pops up. And that's a pretty big deal for these fantasy football players. Phil, you have a lot of weight on your shoulders. There's a lot of people out there who really rely on your articles. And you probably know this better than anyone else. People take their fantasy very seriously. Do you often hear from it on Twitter from these angry fantasy football players? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, this year I, I haven't heard it as, as much. Hopefully that's a good sign. <laughs> but I have in the past. What are some of the worst things that people have said to you on social media? Oh, they, they've said, you know, <laughs> how do you have a job? Or, you know, you're lucky to be employed you know, making this bad tick, or thanks a lot. You know, it's usually the guilt trip variety. Thanks a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I, I sat this person because you recommended that person, and I lost my my uh, game this week. Right. So, I mean, a lot of time it's benign. You know, people are just busting your chops because it's, it's yeah. a game. You know, there are no real stakes on this unless people are betting heavy money. Mm-hmm. Well, Phil, I'm going to be honest. I've actually used your advice before. And last week, for instance, I dropped Robbie Gold and I picked up Dan Billy because you would, you'd said that Dan Billy was he was hot coming into that week. And I'm looking at your starts and sits from week seven. And you were a sage last week. You had John Brown on there as a must start. You had Marlon Mack as one of your sleepers. 
for those who don't know, both these guys had monster weeks. When people do have good weeks, and that's all based off your articles, do you ever get praised for that? And does that ever, you know, make it a little more easier to keep writing these articles and to keep bearing all that weight that you have to, you know, deal with from from everybody talking to you on social media? Well, you know, I think, I, you know, occasionally I'll get more emails than anything saying, hey, I, uh, I this worked out for me. Uh, can you can you help me with this one? And if I have time in that week, because I have other responsibilities other than uh, just fantasy mm-hmm. uh, at my job. But, of course, you know, I, I try to uh, give as much attention as possible. I'll, I've spent some late nights sometimes, like, trying to break down someone's individual question. you got to you know, get your email off that website, maybe, you know? Yeah, <laughs> hey, you know, from uh, your mouth to God's ears, um, you know, I, I just, I'm really obsessed with fantasy. And somehow, um, by the grace of God, I managed to, to add this to my career. Because I probably would be doing this anyway and getting right. at work. <laughs> I'm looking at your sleepers for week eight right now, and I'm seeing this guy that I've, I've been praising for a really long time. As a San Francisco 49ers fan, I've said from the very beginning, once once Jarek McKinnon went out, I said that Raheem Moster is eventually going to be the guy. Um, you know, and I'm thinking, is this maybe finally the week that I pick him up? I think it might be. Uh, what have you seen from this guy, and do you think that people right now who, you know, might be looking for a flex player because their players are on by, do you think that they should maybe pull the trigger on this guy? I, I, well, I think so, absolutely. You know, Raheem Mostert, in any of these guys, and it goes back to Marlon Mack too, is what boxes do they check? One of the first things that I look for is the course opportunity. I mean, that's no secret. If someone's going to get the volume, uh, that's 50% of the battle. But a lot of times there are murky situations where you're not really sure uh, what that person can do with that volume. So I I look for athleticism. That's one of the things, you know, at the risk of kind of bragging a little bit. Um, And I'll explain why. Marlon Mack was somebody that was caping for, as they say, since the preseason. And I've noticed in other experts' columns that they would kind of rag on him. He's going to lose his job to Naheem Hines, and he's going to be in the committee, and Robert Turbin's going to be in there, and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. But looking at looking back at him, I, I saw explosive plays. I saw versatility, able catch. I even dialed it down to see if he can run between the tackles, run goal line. And there were cases that he was able to do that. It just seemed like he had enough of an all-around game, but he was slept on or shaded for whatever reason. Uh, so that's why sometimes those kind of predictions pop out. I, I see some of the same things with Raheem Mostert. Hmm. You know, it, it's, it tells me something when a guy is able to climb up the depth chart. 
and especially when you're surpassing someone that has been an entrenched starter in this league who's been productive like Alfred Morris tells me that coaches are seeing something either mm-hmm. in the running back room or they're seeing something in practice that's a flag that says hey we got to give this guy more chances and it kind of came out of nowhere you know you've probably followed uh, like ESPN's Matthew Barry and how he went on this week-long tirade mm. about how Alfred Morris uh, lost touches and it cost him a game that he lost by like a point or a fraction mm. of a point or something to that nature. And he went on this very comical week-long rant. It's because coaches see these guys and they see something. And, of course, they're trying to win. And in some cases, they're trying to develop guys, see what they have for the long term. Mm-hmm. And especially too, and when you're when you're the the Niners out. and yeah, and, and I'm sorry, that's what jumped out to me about Mostert. Yeah, and especially you know, coaches are going to give guys like this a chance when you know you're one in six. So I would imagine there there are going to be you know a lot more things that we're going to see. Um, with those, you know, one in six teams, Jalen Richard is another guy for Oakland. Uh, maybe they're going to start giving him uh, the rock over um, Marshawn Lynch. But Phil, I, I got a, you know, there's been this common theme this year in, in fantasy football, and I don't think that it's been this way every year. But what it is, it's this issue with tight ends, and is it just me or? Is there anyone other than Travis Kelsey, you know, that's that's been a consistent tight end this year? Am I right in thinking this, or have you been asked these same questions regarding tight ends as well? Well, I haven't been asked this particular question with tight ends, but it's not your imagination. A tight end is a very nuanced position. Uh, it, there's a lot of physical demands. There are a lot of schematic demands. So not only is it very uh, demanding uh, you know, on your football knowledge as the player itself or himself, but it's also a very punishing position. So it's, it's hard to stay healthy. Um, they're, I think, very subject to, great, to game scripts, excuse me. So through no fault of their own, they just may not be featured that particular game. Matchups may dictate that you know they they have very fast linebackers or strong safeties, and you're not going to go to them. So there's a lot of nuances that I think kind of influence how these guys are used. But I think even when you take all of those things into consideration, this is a very very unusual year, and I think some of us are going to take a look at it at some point, maybe after the season, doing a post-mortem and try to understand why. Maybe mm. some statistical thing will, will pop up. Maybe it's influenced even by uh, these ever-changing NFL rules where, you know, you get more pop or more targeted air yards by going to the X and Y receiver and it's kind of negated why we need to go to tight ends. I don't know. I, I haven't done that kind of uh, analytical deep dive, but there's got to be a reason why we're seeing this. Did you have a thought about it? Uh, I, I don't, but it's like, 
I, I finally have Eric Ebron on my team, and I start him last week, and he gets three points, and he'd gotten a touchdown every other week, and this is a time where he's he's playing the Bills, and it's like, what is going on? Why, you know, this is this was supposed to be his week, and I finally got him on my team. It's like, where are my three touchdowns that I was expecting? So I, I don't know if I necessarily have a theory. I just, I'm at a loss for words because I have Eric Ebron, and I have Evan Ingram, and I don't even know what to do with these guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I know there was a, a pass to Ingram in the end zone, but I, I don't believe he, he caught a touchdown. Yeah, I, I didn't see the game last night, so I don't even know. Yeah, I don't believe he did, but forgive me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah. I mean, it's little things that can, you know, that may have been his only uh, end zone target. And if if Eli throws a better pass, maybe that's, you know, it changes your complete fantasy outlook for that player. I was... It's it's kind of an all or nothing proposition a lot of times with these tight ends. Yeah. I was... uh... I was watching the Colts game and, um, you know, I, I was, I was watching red zone or whatever. And I was looking for Eric Ebron and they throw up a touchdown and I hear the announcer yell something like, Oh, and it's the tight end, Eric, whatever. And I see that he has number eight and it was the tight end, Eric swoop. And I was like, how, yeah. how could that have happened? Like, do I have any, could there be any worse luck? against me as a fantasy football player, Eric Swoop. Like, who? how would I have known to start Eric Swoop? Didn't even know who that guy was. Didn't even know there was a tight end named Eric that was also on the Indianapolis Colts, you know? Yeah, Eric with a K. Well, he's yeah. actually scored before. Yeah. He's a massive, he's a massive human being, uh, from what I remember. But kind of a raw prospect. Uh, and here's the thing. You know, you also have to understand uh, the, the scheme that you're dealing with. Andrew Luck and, and the Colts love to feature two tight ends. It would have been Jack Doyle if Jack Doyle were able to stay healthier mm-hmm. than Jack Doyle and, and Eric Ebron. Uh, now, the thing with Doyle that I noticed earlier in the season is that uh, Doyle was being used a lot between the 20s. And Eric Ebron was being used in the red zone, so right. what you were saying, who is who the who the blank is this Eric Swoop? Yeah, that Doyle owners were saying who the blank. Well, they know who Eric Ebron is, right. is but it's like wait a minute. Yeah, I drafted what I thought was the number one tight end. So again, you gotta you gotta know a lot of little nuances to understand how your your team is going to use your guy. Mm-hmm. There's uh. There's been this thing that I've been doing this year, and it's one of the few things that I've actually been correct on lately, and I've been doing this defense carousel, and I'll pick a new defense basically every week, and you know, because I'll play the matchups. Last week, it worked in my favor. I picked up the Colts defense. They picked up 19 points over the Bills. This week, there's two matchups that I'm looking at, and I'm looking at your starts this week, or your sleepers, and you say Cardinals D over my Niners. I don't know if I can do that as a football fan. I'm thinking maybe I pick up New England and against the Bills. What, what are you thinking here? New England versus the Bills, Cardinals against the Niners. Well, that's that's a good one. Well, part of it would depend on what your scoring system is. Uh, From the war for long touchdowns and what have you. 
it's apart. yeah no I, I i i'm trying to think i don't even i just thought all scoring was standard it's just start at 15 points and and, and whatever I, I don't really know how the points even work to be honest with defense just because i've been using the same one for five years that, that's a tough one i would have to take a closer look at the the patriots this year i, I think i mean i'm sorry with uh, some of their recent games. I know they they had uh, a great day against the Bears, mm-hmm. uh, but you know they also give up a lot of points, mm-hmm. and a lot of the, the scoring systems will ding you uh, the more points that you give up. I think the thing with the Cardinals is, yeah, they, they're kind of a bend but don't break defense, but they're very aggressive and. Uh, they had some ridiculous stats in the preseason. It's been a while since I've, I've thought about it, but it was like they, I think they led the preseason with a number of defensive touchdowns or, or some statistic that really popped out. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, oh, okay, the, the Cardinals, you know, may give up 24 points, but they'll have, you know, two interceptions and, and three sacks or what have you. Well, you know, it's it's it, it is it it's weird to look at it that way from preseason because you're you'll put up a you know rookie wide receiver you want to see how he does against a guy like Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson burns him, takes it to the house. You're not going to see that too much in the regular season, but you know, I I, I could see that this week though against the Niners. You know. Yeah, I mean, if it's an outlier, that's fine. But if you see it over a period of weeks where. Okay, here they go again. They this third preseason game, and, and they've had X number of turnovers. Uh, and, and just kind of knowing the Cardinals historically, uh, you know, their secondary likes. You know, they they have Peterson to kind of lock down one side, so maybe they're more willing to take chances. And it's just uh, part of their defensive philosophy mm-hmm. is to go for broke. So you, you kind of look at those things. Which is why I kind of think a lot of times the, the Texans, Texans defense can be overrated in fantasy drafts because, to me, they're kind of a one-trick pony. They're, they're all about sacks. Their secondaries, historically, just have not been very aggressive. They don't uh, intercept the ball a lot. And even if they do, they don't run them back for touchdowns. It, it's not like they even have that kind of personality. That we're going to get the ball and we're going to take it to the house. Mm-hmm. And you, you see that a lot of times with defenses like the Ravens. The personnel will change, but they they have that kind of score mentality. And I, I look for that when I'm um, you know making lineup decisions or when I'm making draft decisions. What kind of mentality has that defense had? Mm-hmm. So with the, with the Patriots, you know, they have some of that mentality, especially historically. They haven't always had the personnel. So it can be kind of hit and miss, even if you have a good matchup uh, like the Bills. Now, if you tell me Nathan Peterman. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Starting, yeah. <laughs> then conversation over. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Or whoever is facing Nathan Peter. He is a manna from heaven when it comes to Tennessee defense. 
Oh my they god. Don't make them like Nathan Peterman. No. No, they don't. Hey man, uh Thanks a lot for doing this, Phil. This was a lot of fun. I uh, Actually, you know what? I got one more for you. I got one more before I let you go. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, okay. Because I've got this dilemma right now, and it's about who, am I, who I'm starting at Flex this week. we got Kenyon Drake or Aaron Jones. Both these guys have been a little inconsistent, but they've also shown tendencies where they, you know, they can get a couple touchdowns in a game. Who am I going with? So remind me of the matchups. Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake is against, against Houston. Uh, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Kenyon, uh, the, so the Dolphins are playing Houston on Thursday night. And on gotcha. s on Sunday, Green Bay is in L.A. Gotcha, gotcha. What I would say is I'm leaning toward Kenyon Drake. I think he's played better with Brock Hosweiler than he did Tannehill, I, I think. Side note, everybody plays <laughs> a little better with the other quarterback. Right, right. That's a whole other tangent that you won't have time for me to get on. But, um, you know, I had rostered Aaron Jones. I think he's the most talented guy. But, again, it's another situation where you have to respect uh, the, the context. Mike McCarthy is going to force this three-man running back rotation. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, uh, I, the last game I think I started Aaron Jones, I don't remember what the Packers' opponent was, but it, it was a series where, you know, you, you play Aaron Jones, and in this series it's going to be Ty Montgomery, and in this series it's going to be Jamal Williams. And right. McCarthy doesn't really deviate from that, even if let's say something happens in the game and, and it dictates, let's put the speed back in. He's not going to do it. He's just like, this is Jamal Williams' series, and I'm sticking to it no matter what, which is one of my issues with McCarthy, but that's, again, another tangent that I could go on. So that said, you know, when you have a guy that potentially could be limited to a third of snaps for the running backs. That's a big ask to get production from that guy, no matter how talented you think he is. Mm -hmm. At least with Drake, I, I think that he's, you know, he may come out on the losing end of, of a 50-50 or 60-40 split with Gore, but then there's sometimes that he's going he's gonna to get the majority. Mm -hmm. So that's about between the two situations, that's about the best you can ask for. And, you know, he can run and and catch. So I think all things being equal. And I, I think I like the matchup a little bit more, too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, facing the Texans, which, again, I think is more suited to pass rush than that, you know, hellacious Rams front. Yeah, we'll see, man. I, I'll, I'll take your advice, and I will start Kenyon Drake, and if he does pour, then you might get a little Twitter message from me. I might make a little tweet about you. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I hope that it uh, works out for you. The one thing I would say, you know, as a fantasy consumer and as a fantasy expert, I say listen to what the advice is 
And if it resonates with you, go with it. But always go with your gut. Oh, it's a hard thing to do, man. It's a hard. That's a hard thing to do in fantasy football. Going with your gut. It's always. It's always the wrong thing, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of times you can be absolutely sure about something and it just doesn't pan out. But hopefully, you're making enough right decisions that it, it all levels out and you're in the playoffs. Don't expect perfection every time. It drives you nuts. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see with my two and five record. Hey, Phil, this was a lot of fun, man. Really appreciate it. So there he is. That's Phil Thompson from the Chicago Tribune. I've been wanting to have a fantasy expert man on a, on here for a really long time. So that that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know me as well as others. Um, you guys know, man. Fantasy is a very important part of our lives, and we devote many hours to it. So, you know, for me to have a guy on like Phil uh, Thompson, who is you know he's this quote unquote expert. Uh, in that field, you know, it's, it's an honor. It's an honor for me uh, to have him on the show. Uh, one of the things that he said that I loved uh, is that he, you know, he, he does this thing for a living. He loves it and, you know, he gets paid for it. And, you know, regardless of the fact that he actually does get paid for it, he'd be doing it anyway. And, um, you know, a lot of us, I was just saying, who devote all this time to fantasy football, uh that comes from the, just the love of watching football on TV, and it just comes from our love of football. And, you know, spending several hours each week watching the morning shows, the highlight shows, all the games, all the primetime games. Um, hey, speaking of those primetime games, I thought it was kind of funny that last week I was boasting about them and saying how, you know, all the primetime games this year really have, have been so good. They've been so close and everything. And this week, of course, it's like every primetime game was a freaking blowout. Um, started off with that Thursday night game. Cardinals got killed by the Broncos, uh, 45 to 10. Uh, Chiefs killed killed the Bengals on Sunday night. Um, speaking of that uh, Cardinals Broncos game, though, uh, there was a moment on the broadcast, and it happened at the ed- end of the game. And I marked it. I made sure to mark it down because I, I wanted to talk about it on the show. Uh, and it's where Troy, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, they're talking about something. And then uh, Troy Aikman, he said this. Seriously, you do a podcast with Peter Schrager. You can go from breakfast to lunch while you're doing it. You can go from lunch to dinner. I, you Eventually, know. you just have to hang up. <laughs> Maybe I'm just not up with the times, but but who listens to podcasts? Oh, come on now. You are you are making enemies right now. Hey, you know what, man? I know there's a lot of people out there who hate Joe Buck. Man, I love Joe Buck and shout out for him to actually backing up podcasts. Like, dude, how old is Troy Aikman that he doesn't know what a podcast is? Like, I know he hears the word and he just resonates it with the millennials. But, dude, podcast, like, it's not Fortnite. It's not kale salad diet. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a Snapchat or an emoji. Like, they're podcasts. He just hears the word, you know. 
And that's what he thinks of. He thinks of millennials. Like, don't just write off podcasts because you think they're too millennial to get behind. Like, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, you know, I obviously do this one, this podcast. So I know that my opinion is biased, but podcasts are probably the quickest way ever to learn about something without ever having to actually do anything. Like in that sense, I guess it's millennial because millennials have like this uh, stigma about them that they're like lazy and they don't want to do anything. So I guess, you know what, like that is a very millennial thing. But dude, who cares if it's millennial? Like who wants to actually sit down and have to work and learn something new when they don't have to? Like with podcasts, you don't have to read You don't even necessarily have to listen. Like, you can just be walking to work or walking to the grocery store, doing what you would normally be doing anyway. Just plug in some headphones, and every now and then you can just kind of tune in, and then, hey, all of a sudden you're learning new shit every once in a while. So, you know, I know Troy Aikman doesn't actually have a beef with podcasts because he doesn't even know what they are. Because how could he have a beef with podcasts when he, you know, this guy, he probably grew up listening to radio. It's the same fucking thing. Except podcasts are just newer. And they're more accessible. <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% positive about this. He just thinks it's a millennial thing. And that's why he's hating on it. But hey, that's that's fine, man. Do your thing, Troy Aikman. Uh, you know, speaking of millennial things, last night at the hockey game, any time that the Jumbotron would land on someone who is the age of 12, or under, they would do the floss dance. It'd be the first thing they do. That floss dance. It's insane how much these kids are floss dancing. Why does every kid floss dance? I hate it. That's what you should be mad at. That's what you should be hating on, Troy Aikman. The fucking floss dance, not podcasts. Um, anyways, guys, uh, I think that's it. That's all I got for you today. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you to Phil Thompson for joining the show. Uh, this was a fun one. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.